Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to From the Newsroom. I'm editor Sarah Leach at the Holland Sentinel, and joining me today are four reporters who have been working on a long-term project that we have been trying to get our hands around, and it is about the state of um, legalized recreational marijuana in the state of Michigan. And today I am joined by Arpan Lobo. Hi, Sarah. Kate Carlson. Hello. Carolyn Meiskins. Hi. And Mitch Boatman. Happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for joining me, guys. This has been quite a journey. You guys have all worked together as a team to try to tackle this project. It began a couple of months ago when we realized through our day-to-day coverage of the local communities that the Sentinel um, monitors that different municipalities have a a lot of different approaches as to how to tackle the legalization of recreational marijuana. Some places have already embraced the legalized uh, medicinal marijuana that was, um, that has been in effect for several years now. Um, but we really wanted to kind of talk about what some of the lingering questions were for people because there hasn't really been a lot of change in the year that this has been legalized since this was voted up in Proposal 1 in 2018 in the November election. So um, I want each of you to talk about what the pieces were that you worked on, the topics that you tackled, and what some of your takeaways were. So, Arpan, why don't we start with you and talk about what you worked on for this project. Sure. So I put together a piece on the sort of disconnect between the way local governments have uh, legislated over uh, recreational marijuana and medical marijuana businesses like dispensaries, that type of thing, and how their voters uh, voted in 2018. What I mean by that is that we have a lot of communities, maybe not in Ottawa County, but in areas like Allegan County and Kent County nearby that Voters voted to pass Proposal 1, but the local governments which in which they voted in decided to opt out of allowing businesses to operate there. And so my story was kind of figuring out why that was the case and seeing if this will change uh, in the near future. Do you th- do, is there any indication that that will change in the near future? One of the responses that I got from a couple different people I talked to was that Right now, a lot of towns and cities are in a wait-and-watch mode. They, there are a lot of unknowns about how the revenue streams uh, and tax sources will play out if you allow a dispensary to operate in your, in your uh, city. Mm. So there were some uh, municipalities, like I, I believe Saugatuck City is one, where they have opted out, but they're not ruling it out for the fu- for uh, the near future to right. maybe take it up again. They leave uh, the door open. They leave the door open. There are others that were kind of just, no, we're shutting this down now and we're not going to bring it up again. I believe, for example, Holland, um, about a month after November 2018 elections, I, uh, December, 
they voted to ban the marijuana businesses and it hasn't come up again in the city council meeting. That's different from areas like Sagatuck Township where medical uh, businesses were approved in March and in the year since – or in the year since uh, Proposal 1 passed, the idea of recreational businesses have kind of been um, grappled with and are continued to being discussed uh, at the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And Kate, you worked on a different kind of story um, involving the how this affects local employers and what the ramifications are of having legalized marijuana of both types in the state. Tell us about your piece. Yeah, so I talked to a lawyer who has worked with a lot of, um, like I guess, a range in size of companies in West Michigan and across the state, actually, um, just advising them specifically on their policies with marijuana, whether it's medical or recreational, and if that needs to change at all based on the passage of Prop 1 that we saw just over a year ago now. Um, And really, that that conversation was interesting, but pretty much my takeaway was employers are still pretty much able to operate exactly as they were before um, the November uh, 2018 election. But he did say uh, because of the talent shortage, employers are looking at possibly taking away things like the preliminary drug tests before Mm. hiring, like for applicants, um, stuff like that. And um, on a larger scale, companies like Apple have uh, kind of made it public that they no longer do that for most of their positions uh, excluding a few which have like some kind of manufacturing or safety concern. Mm-hmm. They've really largely done away with that, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, yeah, he said that employers are, he kind of expects them to move in the direction um, of kind of realizing that this is something like in our culture now that's being a little more widely accepted across the country. So we're kind of moving in that direction potentially in terms of these policies for employers. Mm-hmm. Well, if if uh, employers stop doing the pr- preliminary drug testing before they hire people, could that potentially have wider ramifications when you're not detecting people that perhaps use heavier drugs beyond marijuana? Did that ever come up in any of the conversations that, that you have? Because, for example, if somebody had opiates in their system, then you would not necessarily be weeding those people out, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I didn't really get into that as much. There obviously are a few exceptions mm-hmm. for that. Like if you have a job uh, like with federal contracts or like through the federal government at all, you're always going to have that still. Right, because it's still illegal at the federal level. Yes. Right. And with some like transportation jobs, it's I've heard pretty strict with uh, frequent testing after you're hired as well. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously, and manufacturers are still, um, I, I expect them to still do regular drug testing, right? Any job that has any kind of safety concern. And that was kind of the sentiment that I got from talking with this lawyer who's worked with a lot of employers in the area and across the state too. Okay. Well, let's move over to Carolyn. Carolyn, you tackled some more of the public safety aspect and the the ramifications for law enforcement. Can you tell us about what you worked on? Yeah. So I talked to a couple different local law enforcement agencies um, just about what they've been seeing and any departmental changes that they've gone through since legalization. Um, 
And really the answer I got to a lot of my questions was it's too early to tell Hmm. or no, we haven't seen a lot of change yet. And um, the reason for that is really what you started off the podcast with the fact that not a lot of places in West Michigan have actually allowed recreational marijuana. So really there hasn't been like this influx of weed that wasn't there before because we, we don't have those adult use businesses. So like um, a captain with the Holland police department told me that's really the way he put it was that's really protected the department from having to deal with some of the possible effects Mm. that they could see if there was an influx of marijuana into the community. So they were saying thank you to the city for (laughs) keeping that put it um, for opting out. Um, But it sounds like it likely will not stay that way long term. It won't stay that way forever. It's just going to be a slower pace of change Mm -hmm. in in Ottawa County. Um, in Allegan County, they did see they they have seen some change on the ground, some more complaints of public nuisance, that sort of thing. People growing a bunch of pot in their barn and it smells, <laughs> you know. Um, but really, the number one thing that every officer said when I asked them the question, like, "What's what's the biggest challenge for you guys with legalization?" is everyone said impaired driving. Mm-hmm. They really want to get the message out there to people that um, you can't drive well high and that it is still dangerous. It has a different effect on you than alcohol does, but um, if you get caught, there are serious consequences. You can get an OWI on your record, and of course there's the safety concerns. So law enforcement are really focusing on that and investing in more resources to help detect impaired driving. I would imagine that it's going to it's going to be a huge safety concern as time goes on because when under the influence of marijuana, like you said, it's not like alcohol. It's not like people are falling off of a bar stool or can't see straight. They they uh, people who are kind of like in that medium to danger range might convince themselves that they can operate a vehicle and be fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things that Police officers basically said, like, try to get to know yourself, get to know the effect that marijuana has on you. And on the other hand, just always play it safe. Don't yeah. risk it. Make good choices. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Mitch, let's go over to you. Now, you talked with several people in the education community because now that recreational marijuana is available to adults, we should make the note that this is now legal for people 21 and over, similar to the the legal alcohol limits. Um, What happens when there's marijuana in the home and there's a school-aged child that lives there? Sure, yeah. I talked to a couple of superintendents and um, public health officials about, you know, exactly that, how they educate the students and make sure that they aren't using when, like you said, it's similar to alcohol or nicotine where it could be potentially widely available in their home. And I was interested to see if there was any change in kind of the way they educate the students or different strategies that they use, but kind of sounds like status quo, just making sure that they know the dangerous effects that it can have on an adolescent brain and Mm -hmm. how it affects brain development. And that was really the major takeaway that I got, that 
that's the main concern in the education community and from a public health perspective. It has a huge impact on memory, I understand. Is that correct? Yeah. So memory and uh, just general focus um, in school and classrooms if they're a frequent user Mm. and it just significantly impacts brain development and kind of what one official told me was false dopamine release um, Mm. and an adolescent brain can just have a major effect and that's the big thing that they're concerned about. Which could have an impact on test scores which obviously districts are very concerned about. Sure. What about um, some of the the health effects in terms of positive results. Why do people use uh, marijuana, specifically medicinal marijuana, but I'm sure that this carries over into recreational marijuana now that sure. both are available. What, what are some of the, the um, reasons why people would use marijuana to alleviate health issues? Yeah, the big one is kind of chronic pain. Um, like with that dopamine release, it can kind of uh, set to alleviate aches and pains in the mm-hmm. body. It can be good um, like for cancer patients it can help with the effects of chemotherapy and radiation and things like that and a lot of nausea things um, those are the kind of the top I guess health problems right that are right. to be alleviated with um, medical marijuana but I thought it was interesting the official I talked to from the Ottawa County Health Department said that even medical marijuana can be harmful to um, youth that use it because it's like any other prescription drug where mm. if it's used by someone it's not prescribed to, you never know what the effects are going to be because they haven't been uh, given that specific drug. So Right. So what were some of your overall impressions uh, working on this project, working with one another? Did anything surprise you in the course of some of your, your reporting? Um, for me, it was kind of just... I don't know. I I was at the Sentinel uh, like a year ago, right when this passed, mm-hmm. and I wrote a story kind of right after the fact. So it was kind of interesting to compare that to what we're doing now with this series. And I think for most people in Michigan, whether you are like for this or against it, it's like definitely kind of historical and like exciting mm-hmm. and interesting just to kind of track its progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, at first it was like, well, this is a brown Greek groundbreaking thing and it it really kind of is, but um my sort of takeaway is that I don't think there's going to be a ton of like a ton more people using marijuana after this, especially with kind of the slow slower rollout process we've seen and a lot of municipalities not allowing the business side of it. It's for me it's kind of been a, a slower Slower than I than I expected, I guess, mm-hmm. because of like all of these regulations in place. So, I guess that's kind of my main takeaway. To piggyback off of what Kate said, um, I also was a little surprised to see how little change there has been for law enforcement because um, marijuana cases already were not really their focus. They were not devoting a lot of resources to investigating marijuana. Um, really the Allegan County Sheriff told me he is much more concerned about the opioid crisis and, uh, meth in Allegan County. So even before legalization, they were devoting their resources to those drugs and not to marijuana. Um, do, do they think that, that 
higher usage rates of marijuana potentially could lead to higher usage rates of some of these heavier drugs? I know that that's, that's been an argument against a, a having it legalized. I've heard, and I actually did not pose that question directly to the law enforcement that I, I talked to. Um, but I think it's especially, I think it's especially a concern with youth mm. that they will get started with marijuana and then move on to other kinds of drugs. Okay. Um, but yeah, I haven't explored that a lot yet. Well, there's a lot of things to explore with this topic, and I'm sure that we'll continue to cover it once the series publishes. Um, Arpan, when you were talking to the different municipal- municipalities and looking at how, how they voted in the 2018 election pertaining to Prop 1 and kind of what's happening on the ground now uh, at the local level, do you think that that it's a there's a cultural uh, resistance, especially in West Michigan, that tends to be a lot more conservative? Do you think that that plays a strong factor in terms of slowing down this process and trying to kind of uh, control the situation a little bit more? Well, yes, we've seen that um, directly from some of the responses from uh, local officials in why they're kind of against this thing. In 2018, uh, Mike Tritui on the Holland City Council board said because marijuana is still illegal on the federal level, he said that he didn't want a tax revenue stream from an illegal drug, mm-hmm. even though it's legal in Michigan now. Mm-hmm. It has uh, That was in December of 2018. I spoke to the chair of the Saugatuck Township Planning Commission, uh, Andy Preetz, and he's the only person on the township commission that's against uh, this, this um, issue of opening up a uh, Saugatuck Township for businesses. Mm-hmm. And he told me he, he, his concern is that, oh, we're creating a unemployable uh, workforce because he's concerned that making marijuana so much more ac- accessible will end up with more people using it mm. and uh, more people failing drug tests. Oh, interesting. Um, when, when we talked to Kate about how a lot of employers might actually do away with you know, as much drug testing as they previously engaged in. Right, right. But on the other hand, you do have uh, officials that are saying the opposite, that are saying, well, if our electorate want, wanted to see this, we should push for it. I talked to uh, Saugatuck Township Treasurer John Helmrich, who was also on the Planning Commission, and that was the main thing he was pushing for, that the electorate in a high turnout election, which was uh, November 2018, that a majority of the voters in Saugatuck Township, it was 61%. Across the state, it was about 55 56%. Because the majority of voters pushed for this, shouldn't we open up our uh, city for uh, this type of thing? It's mm-hmm. something that officials are grappling with. And I think it's an interesting argument that we're seeing play out right in front of us. Yeah, I think that this is going to be really interesting following it through time. On the note of the drug testing, uh, one thing I explored when I was speaking with local superintendents was the idea of drug testing students in high school Mm. because uh, Plainwell Public Schools, which is a bit out of our coverage area, they recently adopted a proposal or um, policy. They're going to randomly drug test 10% of all students involved in athletic activities or extracurricular activities in the school uh, every I believe it was every month they were going to do 10%. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. And I, the two superintendents I talked to didn't give any, any indication that they were going to move in that direction. But I think that's something that we could look out for in the future that maybe other schools adopt this if they see a trend in students using marijuana 
as that, you know, if they see that increase, that could be something that they resort to. Well, does anybody have anything else that they want to talk about? Um, just a quick note. Um, I did, or I, yeah, I did write a profile about um, the first medical marijuana dispensary to open in Ottawa County, um, which is called Exit 9 Provisionary. And it's just kind of interesting because the owner of that medical dispensary also owns another uh, provisioning center in Muskegon where they have the local municipality there has allowed the sale of recreational. So he has two businesses uh, in Ottawa County. He's not able to pursue recreational for now because um, everywhere in Ottawa has ruled against opted out, opted out of recreational. So it's kind of interesting from his, from that perspective, like a business owner with, you know, a foot in both of those kind of separate Mm -hmm. industries now. Um, And all of the regulations he has to deal with are really changing all the time. Um, So, yeah, I I've been checking in with him a couple times and he's like, yeah, you really have to track these changes because it could be as frequently as like every week, every two weeks. There's some kind of change. And who's making those changes? Would that be the the Lara or? Yeah, Lara and the marijuana regulatory agency through Lara are just kind of figuring it out right now. Interesting. And we'll be keeping track of that with our future reporting. Yep. (laughs) Anybody else? Yeah, I'd just like to say that I think that maybe the expectations in 2018 that the floodgates were going to open were never going to be accurate. I think the hope, though, um, as we get further uh, into uh, legalization, even if businesses don't start popping up, that maybe the destigmatization of marijuana usage can uh, occur throughout the state. To maybe we even get to a point where some uh, criminal convictions for marijuana um, offenses can start to be kind of expunged or revoked depending on if right it, minor if, possession if it were a minor yeah. possession because now you can have up to two and a half ounces on your person right um and which is a lot that yeah that's (laughs) That's quite a lot quite a bit yeah (laughs) and you can grow up to 12 plants but in the also a lot yes (laughs) (laughs) yes a very high number and uh in the past that wasn't the case and so one of the things that the state has tried to do while they're unrolling out this kind of uh laws for marijuana and marijuana legislation that they've tried to kind of place communities that have been adversely affected by marijuana in terms of arrests and maybe uh, drug stings and things like that. They've tried to give those communities a leg up. Most of Mm. these are on the southeast part of the state. Right. Um, And so it hasn't really affected us over here. But I think as we get further into the future, I think that whole, oh, we still have so much to see play out. I think that'll be something that maybe in 2020 – uh, you'll start to get a clearer picture of going forward. Okay. I'm curious in any of your stories, did anybody that you talked to kind of reference THC levels, like potency, a concern about any of that? Because that was something that came up when I was writing my story. Um, this came up a little bit in my story just because uh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by the THC level potency like the context but 
Um, it came up with law enforcement just talking about how, um, as opposed to alcohol, where you can see right on the bottle what proof it is, what mm-hmm. percentage of alcohol it is, and everyone kind of knows the one one drink an hour rule of thumb right, to keep right. yourself, you know, um, from getting too intoxicated. And that's just not the case for marijuana. There aren't these standards that you can easily tell how, um, like how strong it's going to be and what the effect is going to be on you and how much you're going to take. And I also heard from police that different people react differently. And so it's, it's just really hard to quantify what the effect is going to be. And that's why police are just saying like, keep it really, um, don't risk it when you're driving. Yeah. Right. I, I know that one of the arguments um, for for decades, like after it got banned at the federal level and what did we uh, determine, 1970? Um, yeah. That one of the arguments of the, of the pro-pot movement was that, well, you can, you can smoke marijuana and never actually OD, so there's not any dire um, immediate health effects like where, you, you know, you, you, could, you could pass out or um, you could, uh, you know, um, have any other, like, serious life-challenging consequences. But now we live in an era where we have oils and a lot higher concentrated THC products, and so that's a game-changer because you actually can um, OD on those things, can't you? Or at least you can get really sick. Yeah, especially if you're using like a, a vape product, like an e-cigarette, mm-hmm. and you have like a THC oil, um, especially like vitamin E acetate has been a huge issue in mm-hmm. those kind of products. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been... Well, we've seen in the headlines yeah, of exactly. some of the deaths. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely... Technology always kind of changes the game. Anything else that you guys want to talk about about the project? Like I said, we're going to be continuing to follow this. We're, we we would like to hear from you, the listeners slash readers, about the topics that you want us to keep pursuing. This is what I lovingly refer to as an octopus story. There's a lot of tentacles, uh, and you can't you can't put anything into any one story or batch of stories. It's going to be something that's going to be unfolding um, over time. So, from with that, this has been another episode of From the Newsroom. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.